Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency at Derby. Uh, my name's Ian Lewins, one of the consultants, and I'm really pleased to be joined today uh, by two of my neonatal colleagues. So I've got uh, Sean Edwards, who's a neonatal educate, nurse educator here yes. in Derby, and I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, Kelly Fraser, who's again a neonatal nurse educator based at Northampton. Welcome. Hi. And thank you very much for coming across to Derby, thank where you. the sun always shines. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to talk about, uh, you guys approached me to sort of, let's talk about neonatal CPAP. Um, uh, well, okay, let me ask you first, slightly deviating from what we said we'd do. Yeah. Why did you want to talk about this? What was the, what was your ideas behind wanting to talk about it? I think, I think, hi Ian, sorry by the way, the, the, the brief from sort of our point of view is that we're tending to find that we're getting more and more um, CPAP babies being cared for within the neonatal unit. Yeah. And the nurses uh, that traditionally look after those have got the qualified and speciality sort of uh, learning beyond registration teaching or qualification. But because of the, the volume of these babies that are coming through, we're finding that not all nurses caring for those babies have that qualification. Okay. So we're just trying to beef up some education really about CPAP for Perfect. those nurses. And that's what we're all about. So uh, CPAP, I do know what CPAP stands for, continuous positive airways pressure that's, that's right, right isn't yeah, it yeah. good that's a good start so Sean if I start with you so yeah. what is CPAP then well you, you've termed it right essentially from from the off there so it does stand for continuous positive airway pressure essentially it, it's a blend of air or oxygen that's humidified it's driven through a medical device to provide what, what we class as CPAP but it provides PEEP as well which is po- positive end expiratory pressure as opposed to the way we breathe through negative pressure, which is delivering a positive pressure into the baby's lungs. And essentially, we look for a, what we call a pressure of five centimetres of water. Um, but that depends on the baby, and that will obviously be medically sort of prescribed. It's delivered through um, nasal prongs, and it's classed as non-invasive, unlike ventilation, yep. which is classed as essentially um, invasive. And its overall aim is to sort of assist with that gaseous exchange within the lungs. Okay. And I've always kind of described it between to my students as, you know, it's the step between baby breathing and air, ventilating, it's something that you're ventilating, it's something in between. Is that yes. Yeah, you're fair? absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Kelly, having sort of said this is what it is, yeah. um, when or why would you choose to use it in, in neonates? Yeah, so we actually choose to use it often. Um, it's definitely something that, we, um, that we're leaning towards um, very often nowadays in neonates. So nasal continuous positive airway pressure, or NCPAP, um, is a form of non-invasive respiratory assistance, as Sean said, and it is used widely to maintain patency of the airway. It avoids alveoli collapse and um, uh, on expiration and maintains the functional residual capacity with the overall aim to improve oxygenation. So CPAP also helps to stabilise the chest wall, improves lung compliance and decreases resistance. So it improves greater tidal volumes and reduces the work of breathing for the baby. Respiratory support is given to our sick neonates to maintain satisfactory oxygenation and acid-base balance and um, provides adequate ventilation until the underlying respiratory failure improves. When we think of the neonatal lung, it becomes really clear as to why we would use CPAP, actually. Um, So our premature baby's lungs are lacking surfactant and um, therefore their surface area of the alveoli is inadequate. CPAP helps to um, provide a continuous flow of respiratory assistance to stop the alveoli collapsing and aid gas exchange. 
Um, and our babies that are coming through from 23 weeks um, have got less surfactant in their lungs because surfactant production only begins in the lungs at 24 to 28 weeks. Okay. And actually, really, um, our babies up until 35 weeks don't really have enough surfactant to maintain um, adequate, um, adequate oxygenation. So, um, interestingly, there's more and more research um, into non-invasive uh, surfactant delivery, and there's a big trial at the moment, um, LISA, so less invasive surfactant delivery, okay. and um, or administration, and that basically just means that we would put an almost stiff NG tube down into the lungs and deliver surfactant that way, so stopping um, ventilation mechanically. Um, which has a great impact on these babies. I mean, it's not come into our neonatal network yet, um, but we are looking to, you know, just use different um, trials and different methods of um, administration. There's also a clinical trial at the moment um, about inhaled surfactant. So watch this space. We may just see um, CPAP um, uh, surfactant delivery via CPAP actually. Okay. Um, so back to the neonatal lung, um, the chest wall is very compliant but their lung tissue is often referred to as stiff so we hear this often that babies have stiff lungs um, and they're often not strong enough to be able to uh, generate enough tidal volume to maintain their own functional residual capacity. CPAP helps increase spontaneous tidal volume and reduces the respiratory effort. Um, an increased work of breathing is difficult to sustain for our tiny babies and this together with a rise in CO2 can lead to apnea. Infants with respiratory distress can have asynchronous breathing, so that's that seesaw effect between the chest wall and the abdomen, and for various, uh, this can happen for various reasons such as infection or meconium aspiration. And um, CPAP can help to splint the chest and decrease the effort of breathing until the underlying respiratory failure resolves. And um, CPAP can be used as long-term respiratory support or a rescue mechanism to help recruit alveoli, and we actually use them in both ways um, equally on the neonatal unit. Okay, so it's kind of looking at saying, okay, these babies need some respiratory support yeah. without wanting to the actual support we're giving to damage their lungs, which is often, you know, the worry about yeah, ventilating. Absolutely. So it's kind of trying to get that balance absolutely right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, so thinking then, we sort of talked about what it is, why you might use it. How do you go about selecting who's sort of suitable for CPAP yeah. because they d these babies don't come out with a label saying they don't. I need ventilating <laughs> I need CPAP no. how do you choose? So we're really often in the back of our minds we're thinking um, we should lean towards um, CPAP so our, almost our first thought is would this baby cope on CPAP okay. um, and so there's many different reasons to choose CPAP over ventilation or high flow or nasal cannula oxygen as we use in uh, the NICU often um, so in the neonate with respiratory distress syndrome or prematurity, it helps the alve alveoli at the end of the lungs from collapsing due to that lack of surfactant that we spoke about earlier on. The most common use of CPAP is in our mild to moderate um, RDS mm. and um, this just helps prevent the collapse of alveoli with marginal stability. The recruitment of more alveoli um, increases the functional residual capacity and improves oxygenation. Um, and numerous studies have actually proved that CPAP um, reduces the need for mechanical ventilation okay. and um, and probably then the instance of chronic lung disease, which we saw a lot historically in the neonatal unit. Um, at birth, we can uh, decide whether to use CPAP um, in a spontaneously uh, breathing preterm infant um, who has some respiratory difficulty. And um, when we have apnea of prematurity, as we spoke about earlier on, actually, um, decreasing that work of breathing can avoid apnea, so um, CPAP helps in that um, area as well. And um, 
It is typically used when clinically significant episodes of apnea um, persist despite caffeine, which we often use. And uh, we do use it to facilitate extubation and support post-extubation also. So um, CPAP reduces the incidence of apnea, respiratory acidosis and increased oxygen requirement in our very tiny babies. Um, and um, in trachea malacia sometimes okay. as well we can yeah. use CPAP. So um, it's just having that consideration whether we're going to use CPAP or whether we're going to need to ventilate these babies. And then um, signs of increased respiratory acidosis um, or distress in, um, and worsening blood gases, we would choose to use CPAP in that situation as well. And then if a baby is uh, just creeping up with oxygen requirement, over 40%, um, we need to think about using some, some um, form of, well, just increased respiratory support in this uh, situation. Um, so we commence CPAP if the oxygen requirement is over 40%, okay. um, or if there are other significant signs of respiratory distress. Um, but it is not a, a substitute for mechanical ventilation. So if we know that these babies are likely to need ventilation for surgery or something like that, yeah. or if they are going to need surfactant therapy, so our very preterm babies, we are going to choose to ventilate those babies. Um, so CPAP is indicated in babies with RDS um, who have a PaO2 persistently below 7, um, despite an oxygen requirement of over 40%. And um, we consider ventilation if the PaO2 is not maintained above 7 with the oxygen requirement of um, more than 40%. Okay. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of babies that we choose to use CPAP in. It's, uh, it's mm. often chosen. I'm now remembering why I don't do new notes. <laughs> tidal volume. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, but I guess, is there, in your experience, is there now a move to sort of thinking, you know, all these babies, when they come out, we're going to ventilate them to actually... We're going to CPAP them to start with. Yeah, is, we're definitely is that a thinking, real shift in, yeah, in yeah. sort of how people think, if yeah. you like? It is, uh, it's definitely becoming more common to um, have the CPAP ready to go, even in your tiny preterm babies. And okay. um, we're thinking that that is the way the way to go. Okay, so sort of less yeah. damage to those yeah. lungs. Yeah. Um, and I guess that, that follows on, you know, less damage. What, 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 Sean, what, what would you sort of say were the other benefits of CPAP? I think, well, there's some very quick wins to start off with I think from a parental point of view it's it's nicer to look at also uh, knowing from a, a parent parental point of view that the baby's actually breathing for themselves remember CPAP it, 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 it helps with the neonates breathing it doesn't breathe for them unlike ventilation mm. and this this can be a positive sign for, for baby and also it, it can show progress for parents as well it's easier for nurses to to get the babies out to perform skin to skin which obviously we know enhances bonding mm. and obviously milk production for the mums that want to express parents now we encourage them to do all the the cares not just nappies so it could be things like um, doing ng feeds that we, we now encourage lots of parents feel more comfortable doing that if they're on CPAP mm. as opposed to if they're on a, a ventilator of course as well there's there's no risk of them extubating themselves if they're on CPAP but we know CPAP has other benefits as well so they have that reduced incidence of neonates requiring ventilatory support and we, that's by about a third of, of those babies um, and by just by reducing those risks of, of being on a ventilator we know that has really positive impacts on babies moving forward and long term as well. I think from a practitioner point of view as well it gives you options it gives you an option to think not just if this baby needs CPAP, but you can actually step it up again and you can put them on a method called biphasic CPAP. Okay. And that and that's another tool in, in sort of the medical team's armory to, to either progress baby on it before ventilation as well. So okay. that, that's another useful one. But like Keddie's mentioned, it, it, it does reduce the overall work and effort of breathing. 
it reduces the risk of apnea, bradycardia and desaturations and that natural duration of, of respiratory distress syndrome that again depends mm. on those surfactant levels. So as you said, I think that's a really important point, isn't it, about parents is that they can see actually, particularly when they're born, you know, a hugely stressful time for these families yeah. to say actually you, you, know, you can see the majority of their face, you can, they're breathing for themselves as opposed yes, to being you know, intubated, sedated and the machine's doing all the work for them. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. I think it makes them seem more real as well. You know, the parents can really get their hands mm. on them and mm. they can see that they're breathing for themselves. They can see they're not sedated in any way. Mm. You know, it's really, really important for these families. And, yeah. and I think with that issue about cares as well, it's, you know, I, I think if I was holding a ventilated child and doing the cares, I'd be terrified yeah. mm. that yeah. I'm going to do something and it's all going to go wrong, whereas, you know, if the CPAP mask slips off, it's not such a big problem. No. So I guess that must be better for parents. Um, you mentioned biphasic CPAP. Yes. I looked blank when you said <laughs> that. So go on then. What what what's that? Essentially, it, it's it's still CPAP. So we're still delivering that baseline pressure or PEEP of around five five or six centimeters of pressure. But with biphasic CPAP, you you you're basically you're setting a rate. Okay. And you're giving an extra two to three centimeters of pressure above that baseline to help the baby breathe. Okay. It's important to note that it doesn't breathe for baby it's just an extra level of pressure it's essentially to help blow off any extra carbon dioxide that, that's in the lungs so does that when you're sort of thinking about that rate do you try and match it to the baby's rate or yes so it, different units do different things okay. so you can have a, a trigger biphasic rate yep. where um, you'll attach a, a sensor to the baby's stomach and that will pick up when the baby's breathing and it will match it to the CPAP. Okay. Um, but yeah, as a practitioner, you'd, you'd have a, a sort of baseline level of where the baby's breathing and then you'd match it, your CPAP to that and okay. then you reduce that accordingly. So as the baby's sort of doing more work for themselves and coping, you know, do you yeah. kind of turn that rate yeah. down basically? Down. Yeah. Okay, so it's not quite ventilation, it's not quite no. CPAP, it's no. a bit of extra support. Yes. I can live with that. <laughs> that I, yeah, okay, I, I get that. We're supporting it a bit more. Yeah. Um, so we talked about all the positive, amazing, wonderful things that CPAP does, but nothing in medicine surely is without problems. <laughs> so are there any risks from your perspective nursing a baby on, on CPAP? Yeah, so we've convinced you, I think. Like, Why don't we use CPAP on yeah, every single baby in the neonatal unit? Um, no, of course, there are definitely um, complications and contraindications um, for using CPAP. And um, one of our main ones is uh, the CPAP belly. Ever heard of CPAP yes. belly? Yes, yeah. I, I suffer <laughs> so, from that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, abdominal distension. Yeah. Uh, we often see that in our um, tiny, very low birth weight babies, um, this, uh, this increase in their um, abdomen. And that can actually mask um, signs of NEC or necrotizing yeah. endocolitis, which we are also very concerned about on the neonatal unit. So um, always watch out for that CPAP belly. We can, yeah, because yeah, that's that's sort of something that you go, oh, the the belly's full. Yeah. Oh, it's just because they're on the CPAP. Yeah. Is that is that why you're sort of worried about yeah. missing? Actually, it's not because yeah. they're just the CPAP. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes we get false pressure readings. So if we occlude the um, the prongs or the the soft mask, we can actually look like we're delivering um, CPAP to the baby. But if it's just on the cheek or on the top of the nose, then we're actually not um, giving CPAP to the right. baby. So um, that's a complication that eventually they're going to get really worn out and um, and start having that apnea of prematurity, bradycardias. Um, and that's quite difficult to see sometimes because right. obviously in our tiny babies, the prongs are very, very small. So it's difficult to see. So you might think you're actually giving 
giving the CPAP, but you're yeah. not. Yeah, so our machine of, is telling us right. we're giving very high pressures of CPAP, even we could turn it down, um, but actually we're not giving anything to the baby because right. it's on their cheek or on the top yeah. of their mouth. Yeah. So then whoever's looking after them has to be quite yeah, vigilant that definitely. actually I'm happy that that mask is in it's the right definitely place. definitely in the right place. And okay. of course, babies move all yeah. the time, you know, so it's, it's quite, yeah, yeah. It's quite yeah. difficult to tell. Um, we can sometimes get the, an air leak, so... Um, Actually, again, we, we think we're delivering pressure, but we're not. If the baby's got its mouth wide open, the pressure is just coming straight out of the mouth and not into the lungs. And we start to see that the baby gets very, very worn out again mm. and um, and is looking like it may need um, you know a step up to biphasic or even ventilation. And so that's definitely something we have to look out for when we're nursing a, um, a baby on CPAP. Um, excessive flow um, can prevent exhalation, which will increase the PEEP and um, result in over-distension, um, and this puts them at risk of pneumothorax, so um, we shouldn't be um, giving excessive flow. And again, sometimes if they've got their mouth wide open or it looks like we're really giving minimal pressures, we think about turning the, um, the peep up, but actually um, that's not the right thing to do. <clears throat> and then one of the main, main things that um, is a contraindication for um, using CPAP is the nasal uh, mm. breakdown and skin breakdown because you can imagine that CPAP has to be on quite tight and like we said babies move um, and so we have to uh, ensure that the the fixation device is on correctly and securely but at the same time we are risking a skin breakdown on our you know skin that's very fragile anyway so um, being really vigilant with your um, skin care and um, nasal care is really important when you're nursing on CPAP septal distortion and pressure necrosis of the head and the neck and the, you know it's really something that does happen mm. to babies on CPAP so we have to watch out and then irritability you can imagine our big term babies that we put on CPAP they really don't like to be on CPAP and they will almost fight the CPAP so um, yeah they can it can lead to restlessness and an increase or labile oxygen requirements so yeah. just have to watch out. Have either of you ever Put a CPAP mask on. Yeah, I have actually. I haven't actually. It's oh, really it's, unpleasant. Yeah, it's really, really unpleasant. And mm. it even made me think, I've forgotten how to breathe. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, when you're sort of seeing these babies, you say fight yeah. to them, actually, it's worth remembering. It's actually not, it's not an unpleasant experience no. to have this sort of forced interior. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's interesting with you sort of saying about that, that skin damage, that's a real problem, isn't it? And yeah. it's, it's as well as sort of the tapes over the cheekbones. Yeah. But, you know real problems with breakdown of the nasal septum Absolutely, and yeah. it, other than being vigilant is there anything else that that the nursing team can do to I think making sure, help with it making sure we're using um on on the fixation devices that we use at Northampton um making sure we're we're alternating between the mask and the prongs and um changing very regularly um, and then also um, making sure that we're checking underneath the bonnet and uh, mm. making sure the ears are okay. So um, as part of the cares, we really do need to be looking underneath the bonnet, underneath the tapes, releasing a little bit and giving mm. that, you know, um, pressure, relief. pressure relief for those babies. Because yeah. I guess those bits, if they're hidden, could could yeah. easily be missed, yeah, potentially. Absolutely. Okay. So those are some of the risks. If we move back then... To you, Sean, to sort of say, okay, uh, my baby's been settled and comfortable on CPAP. What are the things that somebody might look for to say, actually, I wonder if this my baby's now not coping with CPAP? I think I think that probably the first thing you're going to see is a rise in, in oxygen requirement for, for that baby. That's irrespective of whether they're on biphasic CPAP or normal CPAP. You, and any baby that you're worried about, I would always encourage to get a blood gas done as soon as possible, whether that's you as the nurse that needs to do it or you need to escalate it to the medical team. 
And I think with that, you often see what we call a respiratory acidosis, so a lower pH and a rise in CO2. You might notice that your baby's having episodes, and when I say episodes, it could be the fact that they're having apneas, bradycardias, or desaturations. You might notice as well with your your trends and your vital signs that you have a a baby that's decreasing their oxygen saturations. So you've you've got a baby that's, that's plodding along quite nicely, and then you'll just notice that your saturations just start dripping, uh, dr- dropping even. So that's why it's really important to, to keep an eye on your vital trends. So not just when you're coming onto a shift in the morning and you're coming onto an early, you're only going to have sort of seven or eight hours worth of vital signs. Mm. I think it's important that you make that assessment to look back over the over the past couple of days worth of charts even to see what, what is your oxygen requirement, what, what, what have your pressures been like, what's this baby's gas has been like. Because if you are worried and you're doing a gas, it's important to compare it to see to see how how they're progressing or not, as the case may be. So things like that. If you are worried, obviously it does require immediate escalation to the medical team. This baby, it, it could potentially need a, an abdominal, mm. uh, sorry, chest X-ray. I think you need to listen in as well to your chest to make sure that you've got uh, bilateral chest movement and that you've not got uh, potential pneumothorax there. But it, it comes back to your basic nursing assessment. Look at your baby. What's the colour like? Is the tone the same? Are they themselves? And I know that's quite hard for sort of newborn babies mm. to assess. But for your long-term babies that are, that are on CPAP for 40, 50 days, it should be quite obvious if they're not themselves, if they're a bit quieter. We often we often use parents as a cue, don't we? So um, it's sort of those things that you need to be vigilant on. Mm. And I think that goes back to, to sort of your point, Kelly, about the... Um, looking at your baby not just the machine because the machine mm. might be saying everything's fine mm. and your baby's saying things are not fine and actually look at your patient use the machine but look at your patient yeah. um, and are there any other sort of particular things that you when you're sort of educating your nursing colleagues who may be new to CPAP are there any other sort of things that you emphasise to them yeah so so Kelly's already touched on them actually it's, it's the basics getting the basics right so we spoke about fixation if that fixation is not in the right place you're not going to be delivering CPAP. Yep. So you're not, you're not delivering what's prescribed, basically, so it's pretty much useless. Um, making sure that your pressures are set to what, what is prescribed. If if your fixation's not right, you're going to lose pressure. Yep. It's, it's yeah. that simple, basically. <laughs> Positioning your neonate as well, obviously, they, they should be comfortable or try and support them as, as best you can, but you need to be visually aware, so you need to be able to spot them and look at them. Measuring for the hat, so this is a bit of an issue for me. Okay. <laughs> people think that the head circumference is the same as a hat measurement it's not okay. the hat will, will sit around the sort of bottom of the neck it doesn't yeah. sit on top like a, a flat cap yeah. so it is a diff- there are different measurements so make sure you've got the right hat size because if you've got a hat that's too big you're not going to be able to get the fixation right you're yeah. going to end up pulling your ties to make sure that it's delivering the, the pressures basically making sure that your tubing on the CPAP circuit sits nice as well I see it quite a lot where the, the, the tubing is outside of the incubator and it's pulled quite tight mm. so encourage mm. that tubing in so it's not pulling on the babies We've, you've said about ears they should be expe- inspected at least daily mm. definitely um, and calibrating your machine certainly when you turn the device off you should be calibrating the oxygen every, every time basically to okay. make sure that you're delivering what is prescribed essentially okay Good advice for us all there. Check, check your ears daily. Yes. Um, okay, so Kelly, if we then finally move on. Uh, so my baby's done really well. They've coped on the CPAP. They're now getting bigger. They're able to breathe more for themselves. Yeah. How do you sort of wean them off and how do you get them into... So 
what yeah. nasal cannula oxygen or whatever. <laughs> I think um, if you knew the answer to that, you would probably be a very, very rich man because actually we don't know. Okay. We don't know exactly how um, is the best way to um, to wean off of a CPAP device. And actually, it's really interesting how different units do different things. I've worked in many different neonatal units, and we all did different things, but the babies essentially got right. to um, where they needed to be at similar times. So um, it. It could be just um, making sure that the treatment is individualised, so making sure we're looking at the baby, because yeah. some babies go from needing very high pressures of CPAP and high oxygen requirements to actually needing no nothing at all. So um, being able to have that confidence to say, this baby could come off CPAP completely mm. um, is the right thing to do in some cases. But then, as um, Sean said earlier on, that um, some babies are on CPAP for 40, 50 days, and weaning very, very slowly is the right thing to do for them. So it's just making sure that we um, have that understanding of where our baby is, where it's come from, and where we want to see it in the future. Mm. Um, because some babies we know will go home with an oxygen requirement and go home with nasal cannula oxygen. And our big-term babies, we are hopeful that they, in a couple of days, will no longer need CPAP. Okay. So, so actually, yeah, we don't, we don't really know. Right, but, well, that's, um, that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the same, actually, with lots of things in neonates. Um, it is making sure we're doing that individualised um, care. Um, but blood gases can assist us in um, finding out whether um, the, wean it, the weaning that we are doing is correct for that, for that baby. Um, and, yeah, it's very interesting how diverse the culture is. Um, sometimes um, they can use high flow as a step down. Yeah. Some units don't use high flow at all. Um, and, um, yeah, some, some units use cycling on and off CPAP, which we don't actually do in Northampton. So it's very um, very difficult to know exactly how is the right, right thing to do. Because I was going to say, when you're sort of thinking about weaning, do you wean in terms of pressure? Do you wean in terms of time? Or does it Yeah, again, it's, it does vary. Yeah, it does definitely vary. Um, in, uh, in Northampton, we're very keen on weaning the pressure slowly okay. um, as the oxygen requirement goes down. Um, and then um, and then being brave enough to take off the CPAP completely. Um, mm. And Sean is looking at me like, they don't do that We don't do that all. here, no, because <laughs> we, we tend to, to stick them on the pressure of five centimetres and yeah. they're not, not below, come down below that. Okay. So, yeah. But then do you start them on higher pressures? We do, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. We, don't do, we don't start them on higher pressures. Okay. So, but we, we advocate having time off, so we might start them off an yeah. hour off with cares, two hours yeah. off twice a day and then increase it. Okay. Until they're eventually off. Okay. So there's no, as yet, no, this yeah. is exactly how you should do it. And as no. I say, uh, I think that's really important, isn't it? You personalise the care to that baby and those, those, those experienced nurses who've looked after this baby will probably know yeah. coping, not coping. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is, is there stuff looking at how's the best way to weed? Yeah, so actually there's lots and lots of um, research going into um, the use of high flow. So okay. that seems to be um, the way that people are going as a step down um, using high flow. But again, um, it's not something that's used in the whole of our network, so it's surely not being used in the whole of the UK. So, yeah, watch this space, really. Neonates changes all the time, okay. you know. Okay. So that's CPAP. If you were going to, say, summarise a, a take-home message, then, that you wanted for somebody who's coming in as a fairly new neonatal nurse to look after a baby with CPAP, what would your take-home summary wow. messages be? <laughs> I think I, I, what I would say is that you have to remember that these are classed as high dependency babies. Yeah. So with that in mind, these babies still require hourly obs and they still need that visual assessment and assessment every, every hour, essentially. Um, if you're worried, do a gas. Yeah. I always like that. And 
essentially just escalate any concerns that you've got. Okay. Um, I would uh, say that really use the parents as well in uh, in these situations. So they are the experts in their baby's care. So do ask them and um, for their advice, um, uh, not for their advice, maybe for their um, for their input. How does your baby look today? Is this normal for your baby? Okay. Um, don't be afraid of CPAP. Actually, um, is the, is one thing mm. I would say. Um, if you're going down to um, the delivery room of a preterm baby, think. Could this baby go on to CPAP? Is that the most appropriate thing? Um, and then uh, again, I'm really looking forward to the less invasive um, CPAP therapy that's going to come through um, very soon. I hope. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. I've I've learned lots, and hopefully <laughs> that those thank those you. people listening to us will, will learn lots as well. So thank you very much, Sean. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly. Thank, thank you. you.